I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy. I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I draft a lot, ayy, and I ain't a junkie, I just draft a lot. I ain't really got a lot of thoughts, I just pack them in a box. So I popped up on this pod, now I'm outside of the box. When I pop up on the clock, last thing I think is talk. See, I'm winning it now, loving it three and a thou. They peeping my style, peeping it now, steadily growing my Dow Jones. Oh no, these kids be thinking they crowd. Oh no, no, immediately throwing the towel. See, when it's different, it's different. Go position by position, ain't no issue. Commission as a commission, I just listen. They envision my vision and my division. I'm stealing, cause I be willing and dealing. Find me the trade, cause I'm a fiend. I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Ain't no denying my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. See, I'm a junkie, ayy, and I'm a junkie, ayy. Be getting high off my supply, I'm a junkie, ayy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 40 of the Dynasty Junkies podcast, a proud member of the Dynasty Addicts podcast network. I am your host, Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict, and with me as co-host, yes, that's right, co-host Scott Sidlow at Scott underscore Sidlow. He is coming. He, you were listening. Uh, he was on a few episodes ago with Dustin and I. Scott has agreed to come on as a permanent co-host. So uh, just to let everybody know, uh, well, most I pretty much every most weeks Scott's going to be on. Occasionally it'll be just me. Occasionally it'll be just Scott. Hopefully a lot of episodes it'll be both of us. But uh, as I've mentioned previously, I didn't really plan to do two podcasts every single week. So uh, Scott's going to help me out here. Going to bring on some great guests. Um, so Scott, thank you for agreeing to come on board. Yeah, thanks, man. I jumped on one episode with you guys and we had so much fun that just decided to stick around. So good luck getting rid of me now. You can ask Russ about that trade at it. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't think we want to be doing that. Scott, Scott's Scott's much better at this podcasting thing, I think, than I am. So um, but we have someone who's even better than both of us tonight as a guest. Um <laughs> and uh doesn't really need an introduction. Ryan McDowell, Commissioner Extraordinaire, DLF, whole bunch of other stuff. Ryan, how you doing? And thanks for coming on. Yeah, I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I love uh, I love that little story, Scott, because that reminds me of how I got started with uh, with the Bull Rush podcast. Uh, Scott and uh, Scott Fish and and Frank had had that going with Ty Miller, and and Ty kind of stepped away for a while and. Uh, of course I knew both of those guys pretty well and they wanted to record. I, I jumped on with them one night as a guest and, and I just never left. So, um, <laughs> we're really, really hoping to get another one of those, uh, in the book soon, or, or maybe a few of those. Uh, That's old those, school. Those I love are, that. Yeah. Those I, are fun, fun to record. Yeah. I see Scott keep tweeting about bull rush every so often now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's, he's so ready. Scott is ready to do it. I am too. Where I'm. I'm just throwing Frank under the bus here. It's all Frank's fault. <laughs> he doesn't have a mic. He's trying to move. He's got a bunch of crazy excuses. We want to get a bull rush uh, out there for the people and, and really mostly just for the three of us. It's it's fun talking to those guys. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I guess we'll get right into the show here. Um, for anyone who's uh, been listening, uh, when I came back after our little hiatus, I kind of said we were going to try and stick to one topic, but having a, having a guy like Ryan on, I wanted to talk about multiple topics, so we're breaking that rule this week. So um, the first thing is that I wanted to ask you, Ryan, and 
in the past we used to have a commission segment. We don't really do that anymore. Kind of spired a little bit by commission impossible and Dustin and I, my former co-host, commission a lot of leagues. So I wanted to ask you at least one commission question since we had you on here. And what I wanted to ask was the favorite league type you've created. Cause I know you've come up with multiple, you had the, the sniper active that you came out with last year, uh, the kitchen sink leagues that I just got into and I'm overwhelmed with right now. Uh, the catch 22, I think we talked about on uh, the previous time you were on here and I'm sure there's others I, I don't even know about. So um, what, what, what would be one of the favorite ones you came up with? And I guess maybe if you want to describe it to people in case they're not aware. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going with this one, Rocky. This is uh, this is kitchen sink. Uh, th- those have become my my babies. I do love Sniper Active. That's uh, as you said, a new league that I kind of came up with really in the middle of last year, and and hope to do some more of those. But uh, the kitchen sink leagues are are my favorite. Uh, came up with those uh, probably seven or eight, nine years ago now. It's it's been a while, um, but really just was kind of having a conversation on Twitter about different league formats, league settings that, uh, that we enjoyed. And it, you know, it kind of feels like an obvious idea now, but just let's, let's put them all in one, in one league, right? Let's try, let's try an auction league. That's also Devi and, and super flex and tight end premium and has the second chance rule. And, um, and back, back at the time you did it though, even, I mean, a lot of those things, super flex, like seven, eight, nine years ago, super flex, tight end premium, everything. Debbie wasn't really what it is right now though, even too. So. Oh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, even super flex, which is, which is of course becoming um, closer to mainstream, right? We, we hope it becomes that, but certainly in our community, it's becoming or has become the, uh, the more popular format, but yeah, you're right. I mean, several years ago, uh, it, not that it was, you know, unheard of or anything, but um, most leagues were not super flex. Most new dynasty leagues were not super flex. And I, I would say, again, and in our niche community now, if you're talking dynasty Twitter, uh, then I think most are at this point. Uh, but yeah, basically that those kitchen sink leagues have all of that. They're also deluxe leagues, meaning they're they're basically made up of two 12 team conferences. Uh, except for Kitchen Cinco, Rocky, which which you just joined, uh, that's the fifth one, and that actually has four twelve team conferences. So we've got uh, between twenty four and forty eight players in in all five of those leagues. And yeah, the more the more I enjoyed it, the more leagues I made. Basically, made one every year for for five years running. Yeah, and it's definitely very involved. I'm definitely still learning. Uh, I ju- just got in uh, last week. And uh, it's definitely looks like a lot, a lot of fun, though. Uh, like like you said, we're doing dispersals now. Uh, I, I already kind of like the team I'm putting together. It's got a mix of some age and some youth and a Debbie, couple of Debbie picks in there. So we'll see how it goes. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that's a good one. And I guess you can, uh, if anybody wants to try and create their own, they could probably reach out to you, get bylaws, something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Those leagues are open. Um, bylaws and rule rule sets and everything are posted there. And um, I, I know there have been a few copycat leagues, and, and I certainly encourage that. I don't have any problem with it. Um, I mean, I, I would warn any commissioners out there, they're, uh, you know, it's, it's a bear to run. You've got uh, <laughs> spreadsheets for every league and um, a lot of, a lot of, you know, manual the data entry and, and basically things like that, but I, I love them. They're definitely my favorite leagues. 
Yeah, and I, I, I do. I run a salary uh, contract league, and just running that's a, a decent amount of commission work for me. So I can't even imagine all you must have to do for for kitchen sink. Uh, Scott, have you? I don't know if you ever been in a kitchen sink league. Would you be interested in doing something like that ever? Or is that, oh, that a little yeah. too much? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'm. I'm super sad. I missed the tweet. Uh, <laughs> what a couple weeks ago or whatever when you were at, filling orphans. Um, yeah, I definitely would have, uh, would be interested at some point. I think that's, it's, you gotta have, you know, for someone like me, when I'm in 40 plus leagues, <laughs> you gotta have some variety. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Something like that is definitely intriguing. Um, I've actually followed that along for quite a while now, just because like Ryan said, you know, they're, they're open. You can, you can see them, you can look at, you know, you can look into it and see what's going on. So, um, you know, when he brought that up years ago, I remember looking into it and just being like, wow, this is wild. Yeah. We'll, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to get you in a league, uh, next year, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. I'll be yeah, ready. One, one thing is, yeah, being in 40 plus leagues, I think, I think this league is going to monopolize a little bit of my time. It definitely already is with the dispersals. So now I'm not in quite as many as Scott, but I'm up there. So, um, but okay, we'll move on. To the next thing, which was that uh, I don't think we need to go player by player. We don't really do a news segment on this show anymore either. But I felt, you know, being the official opening of free agency, we should at least touch on the free agency topic. And want to just get your guys uh, maybe just one or two biggest takeaways from, from the early going in free agency from a fantasy perspective. So, uh, you know, Scott, you want to lead off there? I felt like me and Ryan kind of cut you out of most of that last conversation. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is totally expected and, and totally fine. Um, yeah, you know, uh, actually, so obviously we're looking at the fantasy angle, but I just want to be mad at Kyle Long for like totally ditching us. And uh, he just right. signed with the Chiefs. So whatever, Kyle, we'll, we'll just draft you and groom you. And then you can just be hurt the whole time. And then you just retire. And now you're going to go play with the Chiefs. So fine, whatever, dude. Disgruntled um, Bears fan here. You're, you're not placated by the signing of Andy Dalton? Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> obviously getting Andy versus Russell Wilson is such a – you know, wonderful thing there. Um, yeah, no, I mean, listen, Andy wasn't actually horrible last year, but the thing is he had a line <laughs> and weapons to throw to. So yeah, the bears have neither of those. So um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I, you know, I was, uh, I texted you earlier. I might have the all uh, I'm screwed team um, with, uh, you know, like if, if Watson sits out or this, this issue ends up getting him in trouble, um, you know, and then like Darnold doesn't sound like he might be going anywhere and Juju hasn't signed and Galladay hasn't signed. And I'm like, I'm looking at my roster going, how did I make the championship? First of all, second of all, oh my God, I think I have to replace my whole lineup here. So I think it's, uh, it's kind of different. This year has just been a little bit different. Obviously we have, you know, it, we've been spoiled really um, with the cap going up every year and teams just being able to spend like crazy and, you know, players moving around. Um, but now you can kind of see where it almost makes sense, right? Like some of these receivers and get big deals. Juju's not going to get 15 million a year. He's not that guy. No team's going to pay him. And we have so many receivers coming in this draft, last draft, next draft. And so you have all this talent coming in. It's, it's what's it going to do? I mean, you got to push guys out of spots. Um, or push them down the list at least. And we're kind of seeing that where, you know, Galladay 
didn't have a lot of interest right off the bat. Juju still hasn't signed, uh, to my knowledge, uh, or at, at the time we're recording this anyway. And then, um, you know, so I think it's kind of interesting uh, from a fantasy standpoint. I don't think there's really been any like super significant uh, free agent signings at this point. Sure, there's a few minor things here and there. Um, you know, I look at it more from a football standpoint of, you know, uh, linemen, for example. And that's why I kind of started with Kyle Long because I'm just looking at the Chiefs situation and going, you know, what are they going to do to fix that line? and make sure Mahomes has time to throw and, uh, you know, get that running game going for CEH, things like that. Like those, those things are, we don't really think about that in the fantasy community, but ultimately, I mean, that's what makes a team go. So what are they doing on the offensive line? Um, you know, what, what are teams philosophies? You have new coaches, who are they bringing in? Uh, and some of those things can give us clues as to how players might be used or maybe some potential benefit or detriment depending on what they're doing. Think about the Raiders blowing up their O-line. Um, you know, we're not talking about that in the fantasy community, but that's absolutely going to have an impact. You just went from a top five O-line to literally everyone's gone. Yeah, I, I just noticed like, that. Like, it is gone. not. Because yeah, we're fantasy Twitter, you don't, there's not a lot about that, but I've been noticing that too. It's like, they traded this lineman. They cut this lineman. So I, one, I don't one know went to Arizona. Know. One yeah. went to a center to Arizona, a guard to... Um, Seattle, a tackle back to New England, and then the other guard just cut. Well, that's 80% of your line. <laughs> I mean, those guys aren't just replaceable, you know? Like, wow. So, obviously, uh, they have a plan there. They're doing whatever, but yeah, I don't know. Ryan, has anything uh, jumped out to you that's that's been, you know, different or unique or anything that you've, uh, you know, that you're excited about or maybe not excited about? Yeah, I think the thing that stands out and kind of you kind of touched on it there, Scott, was just that we don't have landing spots. We're recording this um, on Wednesday evening, and typically by this time, with two days of of legal tampering plus the uh, the new new league year, excuse me, uh, officially kicking off, we normally know the landing spots of all these key players by this point. And I mean, you could argue that the top three guys that the dynasty managers were interested in Galladay, Juju, Will Fuller. We're still waiting on those. And, and not only are we still waiting, I haven't heard a single rumor or report about Juju or Will Fuller. Yeah. Uh, there's a little bit about Galladay, but yeah, nothing about those two. Right. So, I mean, I think there's a couple of reasons for that. And again, you, you hit on it there, Scott, uh, the rookie wide receivers. I think teams have to look at this, uh, look at the depth of this class and think I can use a third round pick on, uh, you know, on Diami Brown, or I can pay 15 million for Juju. Like as much as I love Juju and, and a lot of people do like that becomes an easy decision. Um, but the other thing that, that I think is, is really maybe slowing down the, the market is the salary cap issue. We, we saw it drop 10 million. And if that's all we knew, then I think it would honestly feel like any other year. But what what we do know is that it's going to go back up next year. And not only is it going to go up, it's going to go up a ton. We've heard these reports about the new TV deal and um, how much the, the cap is going to spike. So it went down 10 million. million. Right. It went down 10 million this year and it could go up 
20 or 30 million next year. Uh, maybe, you know, maybe even more than that. Uh, and I'm certainly no salary cap expert, but if I'm, if I'm Galladay, if I'm Juju Smith-Schuster, Will Fuller, Chris Carson, I'm, I'm trying to get a one-year deal because I want to be back on the market next year. So if a team has a lot of salary cap space, the Jets, the Jags, we've seen New England use theirs. Um, you know, plenty of teams are in, in good salary cap shape. They should be pushing. They should be overpaying these players just to get them locked up on three- and four-year deals. That's what the Giants are trying to do. We've seen the reports that the Giants have offered Galladay uh, I believe it was a four-year deal with with big money. We haven't seen the numbers, but a, a sizable contract. And instead, he's trying to go to Cincinnati on a one-year deal. That was uh, it. Was reported that it was him that sought out that deal to to the Bengals. So that I mean that tells me we're kind of on the right track here in in putting the pieces together. That these stars, the the big names, uh, just want the one-year. It, not even a prove it deal, you know. They just they just want to kick the can down the to, road and cash in, yeah, right, and be able to cash in on the the bigger contracts next year. And and uh, I think I, uh, I heard this somewhere. It might have been unlocked on by you. I'm not sure, but especially Galladay makes the most sense of all those guys to be doing that too because he's 27 or 28, uh, whereas uh, you know Juju and Fuller are a little younger, so they might. Even if they take a like a three year contract, they could still hit the hit the free agency again um, at a decent spot, right? And uh, I guess for me, the uh, couple things that that I I agree with you guys. There's not a lot of uh, uh, major stuff that's going on here right now. Um, one thing was is, is almost as much real NFL related as it is fantasy related, but I do like it for fantasy. So I'm very happy to see that Fitzmagic will be a starter again in this league. Yes. <laughs> I just love watching that guy. I, I think it's great for Terry McLaurin. Um, I, I don't think there's any doubt he's probably going to be Washington's starter. Um, I, I don't see, you know, Heineke beating him out. I, I don't think they're going to be able to draft a guy. So uh, I love that one. And like I said, definitely for Terry as well. And then the other one is not so much this the, a guy who was signed, but just uh, I think I uh, I talked about this on Trade Addicts this week was I like seeing Hyde go to go to the Jaguars because I still I feel that's kind of wheels up for James Robinson. Uh, he's going to be the backup, I think. I don't see them investing, you know, signing Hyde and then also drafting like a second round running back um, when they already have James Robinson. Uh, and he's a guy I've totally flipped on. I, I was all sell James Robinson, you know, for whatever you can get at the beginning of last year. It wasn't real. And, and then I've totally done the turnaround and I, I'm like the James Robinson stand and everyone else is like, no competition is coming in and all this stuff. So uh, I, I'm buying into James Robinson. I'm curious uh, if you two agree. Are, and this signing just boobies that for me. I just I loved seeing the Hyde signing because he's a guy that he's definitely going to take carries. Somebody was always going to come in and take carries. Um, but he's no one that's going to threaten a major portion of the workload, I think. Yeah, so I, I would agree with that in general, that I, I still think James Robinson is the starter. I don't think Carlos Hyde changes that. Uh, and I would agree with you that adding Hyde probably means uh, they're not using a, a draft pick, at least at least that day two draft pick, right? Yeah. That was the threat, that, that they would use the second or even the third rounder on a on a – rookie running back. I, I doubt that happens at this point. 
But we also know James Robinson is not going to get the workload that he got last year. I mean, oh, he had sure. had one of the highest touch shares uh, in the league, dominating that backfield. And like you said, Rocky, we knew that wasn't wasn't going to repeat itself. So yes, I think he's the 2021 starter. Beyond that, like it's wide open, right? I, I can't say with confidence that he's a long term asset. So I don't think he's a must sell. But if he starts hot, I would be looking to move him uh, early in the 2021 season. I can see that. And I, I do think um, that I, I, I think he's definitely going to be kind of that guy that's always on. He's going to, you know, Chris Carson was a seventh round pick. And I can mm-hmm. see him having a similar career track where he's a guy who's, who's if he can keep holding on to his job, you know, they might eventually bring in someone in 22 to t- try and take it. But if he can hold, he'll get you three, four years of. RB1 high end RB2 production. Yeah, I mean, we see that all the time in dynasty leagues. And um, it's really kind of silly when you think about it. But we have, we all have this collective bias against undrafted players or late round players. I mean, even look at Austin Eckler at, at the, the seasons he's put up, the production he has put up. And yeah, I mean, he's obviously gained quite a bit of value, but he's still a third or fourth rounder in startup drafts. And if he, you know, he's got the same type of production as, some of the backs that are first or second rounders. Um, and it's, it's just because he was an undrafted guy. Like we can't let go of that for some reason. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, so I guess one more thing before we move off of free agency, I was just, and I apologize. I didn't put this on the sheet guys, but I was just curious. Uh, is there any specific spot you'd like to see some of these bigger names left still go, or even some of the middle tier names, like maybe just pick one and we'll move on like uh, Juju or, I know, I know you're a Juju guy, Ryan. Do you, do you have a spot, a particular spot you'd like to see him land? Yeah, I've, I've kind of been um, putting Juju in Baltimore, and I know that's not where you normally put your wide receivers. You want to see some some big offensive numbers, but uh, with Juju, it's all about the you know this. It's not just on the field, right? It's the whole narrative, the whole story. So moving from Pittsburgh to Baltimore would, would certainly be interesting. Um, I think it would be good for Lamar Jackson, which I'm I'm all for. And uh, we know we know Baltimore has a need at, at wide receiver. So uh, just kind of just for the drama alone, I would be rooting for that one. And and then the other prob- probably pipe dream at this point, but Will Fuller to Green Bay, I would love to see as well. Yeah, that's a that's an easy one there, uh, Scott. You have any in mind? Do uh, you agree with Ryan? Oh my God, there's a there's a free agent wide receiver or a wide receiver who might get traded or a, a wide receiver that's going to get drafted or <laughs> a guy who played wide receiver one time like four years ago. He might go to Green Bay. I bet <laughs> you it's Green Bay. I'll bet you. Oh man, Green Bay should sign him. Literally every wide receiver. Yeah. Uh, they keep showing us over and over again. They, they're not doing it. So, I mean, Which is why it's at probably some point, you know, <laughs> you know, these fourth and fifth round receivers are not getting it done. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would guess eventually we'll be right <laughs> on one of them. But I just don't see them. Uh, I don't know. They continue to tell us year after year that they're, they're not interested in doing that. So, I don't know. I don't see it happen, but yeah, it would be, it would be awesome. So I honestly um, put, put Juju or any of these other wide receivers with a good quarterback. You know, I don't, I don't care what, who else, the other personnel, the scheme, put them with a good quarterback and, you know, they'll, they'll likely have value and or produce. So, you know, just 
yeah, come to the Bears because you know we need you, but it's not going to do anything for your dynasty value. Uh, one one that I like, and it's actually is Juju as well. Uh, a spot I like for him to go for fantasy purposes. I kind of like Tennessee. Um, I feel like they just lost a couple guys. He could play out of the slot. He's got AJ yeah. Brown as an alpha. You know, there's that there's the whole narrative we all have that he was only good because Antonio Brown was with him. So maybe that that comes back into play, and and he produces even more. You know, having the pressure taken off of him. And Tannehill, I think, qualifies as a good quarterback at this point. So. I'd love that. Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. I'd love it. So that was mine there. But, uh, oh, and guys, I just, you know, you're saying we've been talking about how it's not been exciting so far, but Rashard Higgins did just sign a one-year deal to go back to oh, Cleveland. So. The real Hollywood. <laughs> the real Hollywood. Because <laughs> it sure shit ain't a Hallmark. Not a Hallmark, Brian. <laughs> Uh, but another topic we have, uh, we're going to get some listener questions, but I got one more topic we want, we wanted to discuss with Ryan before we move on to that, which was, uh, just kind of the age discussion in dynasty. It's been a thing that's been on my mind for a while. And I especially wanted to talk about with Ryan here. Cause, uh, I don't know how you feel about the term ageist Ryan, but I definitely feel you're one of the more pro youth people out there and more so than, than, than most, but really Twitter and fantasy community, dynasty community as a whole, has really, I feel like, been trending that way over the last year or two, even, like too, almost too far to extremes. It's like if a, if a wide receiver, you know, at one point it was like if a wide receiver was 30 and an RB was 26, you wanted to get out. Now it's like they're 28 and 24, so they're getting close to those ages, so you have to get out. And you were just sometimes ignoring the production you can still get from them. So uh, I just want to get your thoughts on that, Ryan. As uh, I, like I said, I know you're you tend to value youth very highly. I think I remember last year, even before he played a game, you had you had CD as a wide receiver one. I think like a wide receiver twelve or something like that. Yep. So I'm just curious what you think. You think this is the way we should be going, or is it going a little too far? Or what do you think? Uh, well, I think you're kind of there's kind of two different conversations to have there. Um, is it going too far to value CD Lamb as a wide receiver one before he's played a game? Or, I mean, Kyle Pitts is the tight end uh, four right now in our dynasty ADP. Trevor Lawrence is obviously a QB one already. I think he's quarterback seven or eight overall. Um, Jamar Chase has jumped into that wide receiver one range as well, low end, I believe. So. Is all of that going too far? I don't think it is because along with these young players uh, gaining value earlier and earlier, it feels like what we're seeing on the field is that younger players are producing. The average age of uh, RB1s and wide receiver ones over the past several years has has declined almost consistently. So uh, we're, we're seeing basically we're seeing younger players score more points uh, earlier in their career. So that's that's a piece of it. On the uh, the the issue comes when uh, you go to the like the other side of the coin there and think, okay, just because CD Lamb is a wide receiver one in my rankings, does that mean we hate Julio Jones all of a sudden, right? Like those those two points become associated or or uh, connected when they really shouldn't be. Like 28, 29, 30 year old wide receivers can still be very valuable in, in dynasty leagues. Uh, same thing about 26, 27, 28-year-old running backs. Those players can obviously still be serious big-time assets. Uh, 
but the the uh, idea becomes if you like one side, you must hate the other. And, and that really shouldn't be how it is. Uh, but that's kind of been, you know, that's kind of been the narrative. You, you were talking about some of the leagues I've created over the years. Um, it's probably been eight or nine years ago. There was a, a big ageism discussion on, on Twitter. It, it, it bigger than it is now. Right. And I made a league called boys to men. So I, I set some cutoff ages uh, for each position and half of the league was the, you know, the young side, the boys, half of the league was the older players, the men. And we, we really found out, you know, what, which, which teams were built better. Uh, and once you hit a certain age, if you were on the young side and, and Julio Jones turned from 25 to 26, you lost him. He, he then became available to the other side of the league. Um, while we were drafting the rookies and um, that league did not last long. And the reason it didn't last long was because the boys side dominated, dominated that league. Um, so that's, that's just kind of, just kind of a side that's note awesome. to throw in there. <laughs> that is amazing. So Scott, what do, what do you think about this? Um, <clears throat> well, you know, I, I look at my, my rosters every year and, you know, I look at the teams that, uh, you know, I won championships or, you know, did the teams that did really well. And I mean, there's always a mix, you know, it's never, you know, yeah, you can, you can have those startups where you just happen to hit on some of the really young guys and they came through and they're studs and you look like you're stacked for years. I get it. Um, but I mean, like, everyone thinks Robert Woods is old. Like he's been old for years and I've been living off this dude. I mean, he's cheap. He produces year after year. I mean, he's just, you know, one of many examples I can give. So like, I don't know. I'm finding myself now with more older players now in a startup. I don't, I'm, I'm not like prioritizing that by any means, you know, age is certainly value in startups just because, they're going to probably hold the value too. Like even if they don't produce, you might be able to get something for them in a couple of years just because they're still young. Right. And they're, especially if they were early picks. Um, but <clears throat> I don't know, man, I, <laughs> I, don't, I feel like I'm going the other way and like, I'm like kind of on the old man list. And, and, and I think you definitely need the young guys, right? Because if you get too old, then, they're gonna they are gonna drop off and you're gonna lose that value and then now now what you have nothing you didn't get anything out of them you have you no longer have production or value so um you obviously can't let them get too old but i kind of um you know i relate it to like my tight end philosophy i'm gonna always try to have a stud tight end a veteran tight end and a young tight end. Like every one of my rosters looks like that. Uh, you know, nearly every one of them is that way. So I might have like Kelsey, right? He's my stud. And then I'll have like a, a Vance McDonald or somebody that you can just plug in if you need for injury. And then I'll have like a young guy, like an Irv Smith or something like that. Right. So I kind of want that, that mix. And as I look through my rosters, I kind of find that I have that in just about every position except running back. So, I mean, for me, it's kind of position by position. Like, I'm cool with the old guys at tight end and at quarterback, and I want the youth at running back and receiver. So I guess that would be the way that I would break it down for me personally in, in my philosophy. 
And definitely, I mean, obviously, everybody wants youth. Uh, you know, the guys you can have the longest amount, especially if they've already started producing. I think uh, I agree with what Ryan said. It's not necessarily – my issue isn't even necessarily with, yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence is a first-rounder before he takes a snap or CeeDee Lamb is a wide receiver one before he takes a snap. I think I tend to – what bothers me, and I think you kind of were agreeing with this, Scott, is that other end. I just think – the whole like and i think it was a weird place too kind of where i think there a lot of the studs are older we have a lot of with dalvin cook and kamara and and not so much last year but zeke and henry and uh, there are all these guys that are older and adams is, is is you know a lot of people's wide receiver one um i just think it's kind of this i'm sorry well i, I think that's part of the shift you're talking about rocky though yeah because i mean you're calling a 25 year old running back older Right, that's the shift. That's what Five I'm years, saying. Though. Yeah, right. yeah, you're right. Five <laughs> years ago, that would have been the young running back that's an RB one. So yeah, that's true. It's like fun. in my first dynasty league, or not my first, but in in hyperactive one, one of one of my first, um, I drafted Ladanian Tomlinson when he was, I think he was 28, I believe. Wow. I drafted him first overall. Right, first overall. <laughs> now, part of that was because we just didn't pay attention to age back then. Honestly, it just wasn't it. It, it almost wasn't even a consideration at all. Uh, but the other piece is running backs at that point had longer careers. They had a longer shelf life. Um, and, and as the NFL changes, uh, whether it's more running back injuries, uh, a shorter basically lifespan or career span for running backs, more running back committees we have to adjust the way we value these players. So yeah, now, now the 25 year old Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara as first rounders feel like, you know, in some ways feel like risky picks. You think I'm going to take McCaffrey one overall. And what is he going to give me in 2023? Right. Is he going to have any value left at that point? And uh, yeah, and that I definitely understand that. And I, that's kind of what I wanted to get to before we move on was those guys, McCaffrey, uh, Henry, well, not even so much Henry, McCaffrey, Adams, Kelsey. Like I've heard a lot of people saying to get off all the, even the most league, because obviously, and they're probably right. Their, their value is never going to be higher than it is now. Uh, I just don't, I don't always agree with selling at quote unquote peak value. I, I'd like to still get that year to a production and I'm, I'm fine taking a little less value back. I still think you're going to be able to get value from McCaffrey and, and, and you know, assuming and not, he doesn't have more injury issues, which obviously is an issue with an older running back. Um, but the same thing with Adams. Adams is probably going to have another good year this year. You won't get what you'll you, nearly what you'd get from now or last year because he'll be what in 29, 30 next year. But I still, I just think we're missing out on, on quality production in the, in the urge to get out of this age. Do you, are you one who likes to do that? Is, is like, would Adams be somebody you're looking to trade? Uh, it sounds great to do it. Like, if you can get like AJ Brown plus from, I don't know, that a lot of people are doing that. So, um, and otherwise, then you're taking even more of a risk going to say like a, a T, who we all, I think we probably all love, but like a T Higgins plus or something like that, where you're taking on even more risk to to, to try and get out of the age. So, uh, what's your thoughts on the whole selling at peak value thing? Well, this time last year, I suggested people sell aggressively sell Ezekiel Elliott. And a lot of people didn't like that. And I said the same thing about Michael Thomas and people didn't like that, right? Like Michael Thomas was the wide receiver one in a landslide 
you know, didn't really even have any competition for that spot, even though uh, so many others had, had put up strong seasons and we saw what happened. And uh, over the, the past year for those two players specifically, and you know, I mean, one of those is the, a nagging injury. One of those is um, basically just the season falling apart for the Cowboys. So those things are not always going to happen, but they seem to happen when wide receivers turn 27 and, and running backs turn 25, 26. So yeah, I, I do want to sell at peak value because now we're, we're seeing both of those guys. Uh, Elliot is 20 overall. And uh, wow. I got I got to scroll way down. Michael Thomas is thirty overall. We're talking about two players that were top five players a year and, ago, and that's in one QB, right? And Superflex or even lower. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's in one QB. So any first rounder that that basically hits that age number, yeah, I'm selling. I would sell Devontae Adams. I would sell uh, McCaffrey and Kamara and Cook, especially the latter two. And what I really like and all of this trade talk comes down to how active your league is, right? Because we can say, sell these guys, but if you're, if half your league is dead for the summer or, or the off season or whatever, uh, or if your league is just not an active trading league in the first place, this all becomes a lot more difficult. But the ideal situation is sell Zeke last year, sell Michael Thomas last year, and now you can go buy them because I think we all pretty much expect both of both of those guys to bounce back. Um, now's a great time to buy Julio if you've got a contending team. Absolutely, he's a fourth or fifth or sixth round startup pick. Sure. Yeah, I got him in the ninth round of a superflex startup. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> but that that's actually a great point. Is the idea of selling them and buying them back if you're in an active league? Uh, I, I don't hate that. Um, but you know, because you are going to a lot of you know some of the time. But I do think that for every you know pointing out Zeke. Who actually, I mean, he still finishes an RB1 last year despite everything falling apart. Um, and Michael Thomas, I mean, there is a Devontae Adams who played it, you know, who was 28, I think, going into last season. Or or if you'd gotten out on Julio at 28, you were missing out on some pretty good production prior to this year. So I think there's a flip side to it, too. And that, that's just where I'm at. That, uh, and, and it also depends the return, obviously. Right. I, I, yeah. I just think a lot of time, and it's funny because I, I am generally not risk averse in a lot of ways. Like I've very often talked about my quarterback strategy where I generally don't draft high end quarterbacks and super flex, which a lot of people consider risky. Uh, I'm not worried. I don't worry that much about character guys. I know my, uh, my trade addict, former trade addict spell, Brian Har. He, he hates getting those guys. Um, but in this sense, I always seem to, I, I tend to be a guy that I need to see it a little first, which is why like, making cd lamb my rb i'm sorry wide receiver 12 or something like that scared scares me a little more than i think it scares ryan uh are you just i'm curious too it just occurs to me as i'm saying this are you just i know you um I, on, on your pod talk about the rookies a lot are you, are you that confident in your just ability to evaluate the players coming out or uh is that why you're more willing maybe than me because i'm definitely no rookie expert i can tell you that I, I listen to a lot of guys like you and Zach Reed and, and, and a bunch of other guys to tell me who the good rookies are. I try try and watch them on tape, but I I, I just had a show with Zach and uh, Garrett Price um, on here where we talked about rookie scouting just so I could learn more, so I could try and kind of get my knowledge better. But it, uh, is that part of the process for you maybe? Is that you're very confident in your young player evaluations just from, from what you've seen over the years and, and what you're looking at now? 
Uh, no, not really. I wish it was. <laughs> I wish it was. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I mean, I'm not a scout. Uh, like, I mean, I can watch a game and, and think that guy's good. Right. Like, I mean, obviously that stands out, but as far as analyzing their, their strengths and weaknesses, I mean, that's not, that's just not something I'm great at or, or is really, uh, in my skill set. What I'm trusting. I'm sorry. I was just going to say is maybe just what Scott was saying then about that there a lot of times they're going to hold their value longer than even if they fail or don't live up to expectations. Yeah. I mean, that's a big piece of it. And, and, you know, it's not, it's not always the CD lamb path or the Jonathan Taylor path, right? Like sometimes it's Nikhil Harry and yeah, I had him on my roster too. And it comes down to the same thing we're talking about as far as when do you move off of these studs? It, it, the other important conversation is when do you move off of these disappointing guys, right? Like when do you sell Nikhil Harry? And ultimately in, in one of the kitchen sink leagues last year, I had him and that's a contract league. I had him on a, uh, I think he was on a three-year contract at that point. And, and I sold him for Todd Gurley to make a playoff run. And I don't even know if I, if I started Todd Gurley, but one, wow. I got a piece that might've been usable maybe down the stretch in Gurley. Uh, but two, I got off the contract. So to me, that was kind of a win-win, and and I I won that title. Probably not because of Todd Gurley, but uh, <laughs> yeah, you just you know when it doesn't go that way, when they don't have that success, you've got to de- decide when to cash out. And yeah, if you took if you took Nikhil Harry as a, a top twelve, even a top twenty wide receiver, obviously you you have lost some value, and and that did not work out. But I mean, nobody has a nobody has a perfect hit, right? So you just have to figure out when it's time to give up. Okay, Scott, any thoughts on the whole age, peak value, trading, selling, every just everything we've been talking about before? Yeah, I mean, listen, um, I, I'm I'm totally with Ryan on on selling peak value. Uh, I can give the perfect example of a dynasty startup. I can specifically remember from three years ago obj went 101 okay super flex you know whatever ppr just your normal uh league and i mean look where he is now like you cannot give him away so you know you just have to look and and you really haven't gotten much out of him since you know like a couple years right and then we see the same thing happening with michael thomas he's so far he's far and away the number one and then now he's like eh, you know and now we don't even know he's throwing if it's Taysom hill oh god you're not gonna be able to get rid of him you know and so it's gonna be like that situation so i'm all about selling um but a very unpopular opinion is that i'm very patient i'm very patient on it because each league is its own market and so, you know, yeah, you jump on Twitter, you jump in these Facebook groups and you're like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm doing a rebuild. Should I, should I sell this? Or I'm thinking about retooling or my, my roster's getting old. I want to get younger. And, you know, and they're like, oh, that's, that's a horrible trade. You know, that's, that's not value. Well, listen, each league is its own market. So, you know, you have to, you have to get some gauge of value, um, but at the end of the day, uh, if you're not happy with what you're getting, um, you know, you got to be patient. And I can give two quick examples on that. When I, I took over an orphan three years ago and CMC was on the roster and I personally cannot stand him uh, like as a person even. And I, I literally would have traded him for 80 cents on the dollar and no one in my league would give me anything, 
anything even reasonable. This is three years ago, keep in mind. Okay. So he was pretty much the top guy and I could not get a decent offer counter anything for him. Well, guess what? I have rode him to a three-peat three straight championships now with that team because I would not settle on what I felt like should have been even a reasonable value for him. Even though I was willing to take less, <laughs> I couldn't get it in that league. And now I've won three in a row. So I I'm perfectly fine being patient. Even if it, even if I get nothing out of him at this point, I mean, I've, I've won thousands of dollars now off of him so I can live with it. Um, you know, and same thing with Derrick Henry last year, I took over an orphan that I could not get rid of Derrick Henry. I sat on him all year, probably cost me a, a spot or two in, in the rookie draft, but now I was just able to sell him a couple days ago for the one Oh three and a couple of other players. And I feel like the one Oh three is already worth more than Derrick Henry. So, uh, you know, in super flex for sure. What if I just draft Najee and boom, he's already, you know, Henry, but four years, five years younger, whatever. So again, you have to be, yes, you want to sell at peak value, but only if you can each league is its own market, be patient and, and look for the right deal, you know, and sometimes that's this time of year. Sometimes that's trade deadlines. And, you know, it certainly is not during the rookie draft because the veterans are not going to have the peak value that, and that's when their value is the lowest. Yeah, that's, that's definitely true. Uh, Okay, so even at, like let's say even a contending team, you're selling. Would you be selling a, a Kelsey? I gotta imagine he's never going to be more valuable than he is now. Tight end premium. I, I haven't been able to sell any of my Kelsey shares for anything reasonable, so I'm just I'll, I will ride him. Him and Julio will probably die on my rosters. Um, uh, you know, a guy right now that I'm debating is like Devonta Adams would be one that I'm you know having to consider what to do with on my competing teams for sure. Um, but yeah, if I can, if I can get, um, you know, a tier or two down plus, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take it even if I'm competing. That's fine. I like that you stress a reasonable offer and I'm sorry, Ryan looked like you were going to say something there and I cut you off. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I was saying the same thing. It, you know, it just becomes a kind of a dangerous game when you go on a podcast or you go on Twitter or you write an article and you say, Michael Thomas is a sell. And then somebody comes back and says, you know, I traded Michael Thomas for, you know, Marvin Jones in a second. What do you think? It's like, (laughs) no, no. And um, so, I mean, anytime we talk about players as buys or sells, it's always like with, within a reasonable price, right. Within the market. And I mean, sometimes you have to overpay and sometimes you have to, you have to take an underpay if you really want to get off that player. But, uh, in general, especially when we're talking about first rounders, it's like, it's just the concept, right? And if it doesn't work out, then, then that's okay. You're still, you still got a first round valued player and you're going to, you know, hopefully you're going to have that production as well. Um, And again, you're, you're going to have chances to sell. So in March, if I call Devonte Adams a sell, you know, that's not a panic move at all. Okay. Yeah. Good stuff. Definitely good discussion there. Uh, and uh, we haven't we haven't been using our drops for a while, but I'm going to put D- Dustin's actually still editing these pods. So I'm going to put them to work together because we got to work this week because we got some listener questions. Listener questions. So hopefully Dustin will just insert the listener question drop there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> first one comes from uh, Z Z J Allen eighty seven at Z J Allen eighty seven on Twitter. 
Um, with Stafford going to the Los Angeles Rams, how do you think that affects Cam Akers? Akers looks set up for a huge year, but Stafford has rarely had a 1,000-yard rusher. Is the lack of run game a Detroit thing or a Stafford play style thing? Also, do you see Stafford throwing for more than 4,000 yards in L.A.? Uh, I, I kind of think the fact that Stafford hasn't had a 1,000-yard rusher might just be a Detroit hasn't had that many good running backs thing. But, <laughs> um, but has uh, been on Detroit. What do you want him to do? Like, <laughs> it's not his fault. Um, but w- w- what are your thoughts on Cam Akers, Scott? Uh, I mean, I, I love Cam Akers. So, um, <laughs> I mean, this – this only helps him in my opinion. I mean, uh, McVay had to do so much to make golf serviceable. Um, you know, I, th- I think people are, I don't know, maybe people will be really surprised. Um, Stafford just toiling away all those years in Detroit. I mean, the guy can sling it. So if he's healthy, you know, he's had a lot of, you know, broken back and all this stuff. So, I mean, you know, I get it. He's been injured and that's certainly, you know, you can't, it's hard to throw a football when you have a broken back. Um, but if he's healthy and he comes in there, I mean, that McVay offense could really open up and it's, it might be a really beautiful thing. And all that's going to do is open things up for acres. So, um, I put zero stock in the fact that Stafford has rarely had a thousand yard rusher. That means absolutely nothing to me, to be honest with you. Um, it just, Detroit is just such a terrible franchise. And, uh, you know, I, I I'm in, I'm in on acres, you know, he's definitely a top probably, I'd be curious to see where he where he ranks right now in startups, but he's definitely a probably a top eight guy for me, top six at the position. I'm saying at running back. So uh, I, the, I have this the super Stafford flex, thing only helps him. I have the super flex ADP up. He's RB nine over there in that ADP. Okay, uh, I, go I, in the, I love it. I'm in. Yeah, going in the early third because all those quarterbacks. But yeah, RB nine. Um, and I guess I think it's pretty obvious that. Uh, Stafford is only going to help pretty much everyone in that offense. Um, but Ryan, do you, uh, do you, uh, Scott's a little more bullish on acres than I am. I'm curious what, what you're thinking on acres. I, I do have a little concern that a lot of the, the production he got, I think Henderson was banged up and I'm still not sure McVay definitely goes away from the whole committee thing. I think everyone's assuming acres is a workhorse, uh, but I'm not positive on that. So uh, are you just as bullish on acres? No, I hear that, but he, he did not do much before the, the end of the season run. Um, you know, when, when he kind of got full reign there. But Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm I'm probably even more bullish on Acres in in the one quarterback <laughs> ADP. He's running back seven, eleven overall. Okay. So we're talking about a first rounder, uh, first wow. round value for Cam Acres, which I would be fine with. I would gladly take him in the first round and probably higher than eleven. Honestly, um, not worried about the Stafford thing at all. I think that's. I mean, uh, I think it's pretty obviously a, a major upgrade from Goff to Stafford. Stafford did just have one thousand yard rusher uh, in his time with the Lions. That was Reggie Bush in twenty twelve or thirteen, maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's more honestly. I just think that's more about the Lions, right? Like they've had they've had four thousand yard rushing seasons since Barry Sanders. Four. Wow. Since Barry Sanders <laughs> retired. So yeah, that's not a Matt Stafford thing. 
Um, and I do think he makes use of his running backs in, in 12 years, he's had six running backs finish as, uh, the RB 14 or better, um, in, including this past season with, um, with Deandre Swift. So, um, no worries about Stafford's effect on acres. I think it's great news. Um, and I think in talking about Stafford in general in LA, yeah, I mean, McVay is going to be amazing for him. I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, we'll move on to the next question then, which is from at fantasy hockey trades. Uh, who is going to get the potential out of Darnold that the jets couldn't. And I think an, another interesting aspect of this question is, is just where I, I feel like the spots for Darnold to possibly go, assuming the jets are taking a quarterback are kind of drying up. Um, there's one I in particular I have in mind that I also think would help unlock his potential, but, but I'll let you answer first, Ryan. Um, they, they are drying up. I mean, they're totally drying up and um, I'm not sure if Sam Darnold's going to be a starter in 2021. In fact, I would bet against it at this point, uh, just looking at the, the openings that are left or the uh, even the potential openings, right? Like maybe Denver moves on. Maybe San Francisco gives up on Garoppolo. That's I the one think, I was thinking. Was right. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't think either of those teams look at Sam Darnold and, and think he's an upgrade over what they have, which when you're talking about Drew Locke, that's, that's pretty sad. Uh, I think <laughs> the ideal, the ideal spot for Darnold and really the only spot I could find uh, would be Atlanta. So if he can go to Atlanta, uh, Arthur Smith there is the new head coach. If uh, sits behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, and then maybe gets a chance to become a starter again, that that might be best case. If you're holding Sam Darnold in a super flex league and thinking he's, you know, he's 22 years old, 23, whatever he is now, and um, all this potential and first round pick, like all of that is out the window at this point. Uh, Scott, any thoughts on Sam Darnold before we go to the next question? That's uh, Scott. Indianapolis. <laughs> Indianapolis. Come on. Oh, well, I guess they already got once. So <laughs> Ru Russ Outhouse and I, we tried, we tried to speak that into existence, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, San Fran would be awesome. Listen, Chicago would be a great place. <laughs> yeah i i think ryan's right that at this point uh yeah it's it's hard I, you know teams rarely go into a draft without some sort of plan um so i think a lot of teams that that haven't done something you know are, are likely to draft somebody um there's there's few spots left so um, I don't, I don't see anything imminent. I haven't heard anything. I haven't, you know, even like the, the local beat reporters haven't even come up with any, like, you know, Hey, teams have called or anything, you know what I mean? Like it's literally crickets. So, um, which is super unfortunate. Um, cause I mean, we've seen a lot of people leave Gase and have success. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I do believe he deserves another shot. But uh, he maybe he takes a Tannehill route, you know. He's he's a he's a young backup somewhere, and and he'll get his opportunity. So, you know, I, I'd like to see him go somewhere cheap, the way that we've seen some guys do it recently. Teddy Bridgewater went to New Orleans for that year, right? And then he parlayed that into Carolina, um, you know, things like that. So so maybe, uh, you know, I I really don't think he's going to be a starter at this point. But hey, you never know. Maybe there'll be some draft night magic and you know, the bears will probably give up like three first round picks for him. So 
<laughs> yeah, I definitely I, I did think at the beginning of the off season that I, I thought he he would be a starter somewhere, but the way it's played out, it's just it's really not looking that way. And like I said, San Francisco was the one I was thinking of, but I think Ryan makes a very good point that I don't know for sure that San Francisco looks at that and says, "Oh yeah, he's definitely better than Jimmy Jimmy G. We're gonna we're gonna cut him and and go with Darnold." So uh, probably not, like you said. I think it it almost is gonna have to be the Tannehill route, um, unless maybe he gets traded to the to the to the Texans in a in a Watson deal or something. Uh, I'm not sure where else he might start at this point. So we'll move on to uh, the next question here at Real Goat Thirteen on Twitter. Uh, and this is definitely one that I'm interested to hear you guys take on. Uh, I'd love to hear your take on why are we seeing so many QBs in the first round of Superflex startups? And how do you see the QB landscape looking in three to five years? Are the two connected? So, uh, Scott, I definitely have my thoughts on this, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah, Rocky, I know you do. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was a hell of a podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think it's uncertainty, you know, um, it's kind of the haves and haves nots right now. And, you know, we know who the guys are that are, uh, you know, I, we, I guess we always think this, right. We know the guys that are locked in as starters for the next few years. You know, we think all oh, Wentz is locked into that Philly offense for years to come, you know, and, until he's not right. Um, but I think for the most part, we're pretty comfortable and confident with where these guys are talent wise, you know, even a guy like Watson, he's still going super high because we know what he can do. We know what he can do in a terrible franchise. So if he goes somewhere else, that's even better. And if he doesn't, he's still probably fine. So I think we're just uh, at the point where there's so much uncertainty. And I think the other part of it really is kind of what we've been talking about all along here with, with all these young players coming in at the other positions. And so you have so much depth. I mean, I did a startup recently and I mean, I'm getting like wide receivers in like the seventh, eighth round that I'm like, man, these guys are awesome. I shouldn't have taken receivers earlier. Like I'd be happy with these guys as my first two receivers, you know, and it's round seven. So um, obviously I know, Rocky, you can make a great argument for the value of saying, well, if everybody's taking a quarterback, I can get these top end guys. And I, I totally get that. I'm with you there. Um, but knowing that I have at least one guy locked in for the next few years is is a nice thing to have. It's it's impossible to do super flex without quarterbacks. That's the one thing I can tell you, you know, unequivocally uh, in being in 40 plus leagues and, you know, doing everything I do that you got, you got to have at least one, <laughs> otherwise you don't have a shot. So, you know, sometimes you can get away with having two, you know, mediocre guys. Um, but, uh, you, you got to have at least one. And I think people are understanding that. So you just have, a a confluence of events, right? You have, you have all these things coming together. And I think honestly, we'll see that kind of spread out a little bit once, this draft happens and we see where guys go and we start to say, ah, here's the next crop of new young guys. And these guys are locked in for the next few years. So now I can wait till round two or three or four to get my first guy. Um, yeah. It's a know, different once, story. Once drafting. Yeah. It's a different story drafting like the one Oh five and hoping that's, you know, Trey Lance or something than actually drafting Trey Lance in June or something. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, 
So, Ryan, you you agree with a lot, a lot of what Scott said there? I think I'm on board with most of that as well. Yeah, I mean, it it's just become it's become that battle for getting the quarterback, right? And we're we're seeing the top tier of quarterbacks grow. So um, that's a piece of it. I mean, even two or three years ago, even in a super flex, you might see two or three quarterbacks in the right. first round, which feels feels crazy now. Um, so I think I think a lot of um, a lot of dynasty players, dynasty managers are realizing, like Scott said, the importance of having um, at least one stud quarterback. Um, it it kind of goes back to the popularity, the growth of Superflex in general, right? We shift from one quarterback to Superflex, and maybe we try to play with basically the same strategy, and we figure out that that's not working. So the next time we do a startup, we're moving quarterbacks up. And I say we is like the collective community, right? That we're we're getting smarter about it. And I say smarter because I, I agree. In my Dynasty Superflex rankings, my top eight players are quarterbacks. The, the first eight, I've got Joe Burrow uh, ahead of any running back and any wide receiver. Part of that's the depth of the receiver class. Scott mentioned that as well, or not the receiver class, but the depth of the receiver position overall right now. Yeah. Um, and then as to why is this happening now? I mean, look at who's come into the, the league the past four or five years, right? I mean, last year gave us Burrow and Herbert and then, you know, kind of next year down Tua and Hertz, Kyler the year before that, Baker and Allen and Lamar Jackson the year before that, right? Like all of these guys, we talked for so long. And and the reason late round quarterback worked for so long was because the late round quarterbacks were Rivers and Ben and Brady and Breeze, right? Like late round quarterback worked because those old guys were cheaper than Johnny Manziel or whoever we thought or Teddy Bridgewater, <laughs> right? Like guys we thought might be the next big thing. Um, and now those guys are, um, many of them are, are retiring or, or just taking a step back. Brady of course is, is the freak of the group who just keeps doing it. But um, we're seeing kind of the old guys basically fade out of the league um, and they're being replaced by Trevor Lawrence and Burrow and Herbert and Kyler. Yeah, I agree with a lot of what you guys said, even though I, I'm the one who thinks it's crazy that nine or ten are going in the first round now. But um, I also think, and I think you both maybe have sort of touched on this, but in addition to, I know what Scott was saying about um, the youth at other positions, but I think we're getting a lot of youth at quarterback, productive youth, more so than I think we've seen before with a lot of the guys that, that Ryan just rattled off that have gotten drafted in recent years. Um, and And kind of tying into the second part of what he said there is that a lot of the more productive guys were the older guys. Now we're seeing uh, production and, and youth rolled into one package. And I think that's making people want to draft them earlier uh, as well. And like I said, I definitely agree with the, the very first point that Scott made too, is, is the, uh, is the uncertainty, right? Especially at this time of year. Uh, I like I, I mentioned this in a previous podcast that, that Scott referred to, uh, I'm very curious to see if it keeps playing out this way. If this is a, a permanent thing now that everyone is going, you know, elite QBs in the first round. Uh, it definitely was more. You maybe see three or four at most uh, prior to this year. It's been quite a, kind of a, a, a shock to the system to see the way it's 
flipped so quickly. So uh, I'm very curious in August if this is what we're still seeing, but uh, I guess we'll find out in a few months. And so I'll get to the last question, which is from some some guy at Dynasty FF Addict. I don't know who that is, but it's some schmo who probably, probably doesn't know how to play Dynasty. But um, <laughs> I threw a question on here at the last minute. I just was uh, curious, Ryan's take on this, and you, Scott, as well. Uh, what do you think is the biggest mistake a lot of Dynasty managers make? And, and whatever that mistake is, what, what, what do you do to combat that? I think a couple things come to mind pretty quickly. Um, and and I, the good news is I think both of them are pretty easy to fix. Um, and, and I guess they're kind of related, honestly, but uh, just being active, just being active in your league, sending trade offers, keeping up with the news, being active in whatever your fantasy community is, whether it's Twitter or whether it's a, a forum or a, a discord or whatever it might be like being active, being on top of things, um, in that fantasy space, in the dynasty space. And then related to that, if, if you are active, that kind of takes care of this. The next piece that I would say is understanding player value. So um, uh, again, if you're active in that community, you're probably going to have a good feel for it. You're going to be sending trade offers, receiving trade offers, um, talking to others about trades and startups and mocks and things like that. You should be doing mocks yourself. You should be looking at, at ADP um, and maybe even tracking ADP on your own. That's what I was doing um, 10 years ago. And, and I, I felt like that put me in a good position to compete in every league. I think that's a great point. We said about the activity too. I, I mean, to me, that's, that's the whole point of dynasty is, is to be active year round. If, if you're, if you're going to be one of those guys that, that checks out, you know, for six months of the year, I don't, I don't think it's going to go well for you generally. Uh <laughs> But Scott, what do you think? Is there uh, something besides what Ryan said that, that you see a lot of people making mistakes? I think just tacking on to that, I see with a lot of new, um, I like to think of myself as like a dynasty ambassador, right? Like I'm trying to get people into dynasty all the time. And uh, unfortunately I've, I've heard, I've heard from people that it's ruined their lives because you know, now it's all they do, but um, you know, what I see with a lot of these new guys is they're and gals um, maybe like too afraid to make moves or too reliant on one thing. You know, if you want to use a trade calculator, or if you want to ask your favorite, you know, Facebook dynasty group or dynasty Twitter, you know, like that's fine. Those are all tools in your tool belt, right? Let's, let's um, you know, use them to learn and everything. But um, I'll tell you what, one of the things that I use the most is I the subscription to DLF is worth the money just for this, and it's the Trade Finder. That feature I use daily, probably a dozen times daily minimum. Uh, I'm constantly on there seeing, you know, what are actual deals that are going down somewhere. Like, uh, probably you guys, listeners to this show, don't know this, but I'm in real estate, and so what we always say is, you know, you can list a house for anything but what did other houses actually sell for, right? So you can ask anything you want for a player, but what did someone actually pay for them? And so when you go to that trade finder, you can see real leagues. You can find leagues in there that you can find trade addicts leagues. You can find kitchen sink leagues. You can find, you know, 
all the leagues that you hear about in these podcasts and, you know, find uh, even, you know, sometimes you'll even know who the players are, who the people are. I've seen Ryan McDowell trades on there and I go, wow, Ryan made this deal, huh? Interesting. You know, and, and that gives me an idea of what should I be asking or who can I get? And so sometimes that, that'll change my mind on moving somebody or not. Oh, I can get this player. Yeah. I need to think about selling a few shares. Um, so not being super reliant on one thing, you know, don't, you know, trade calculators fine to kind of see if you're in the, in the range or to help you craft a trade or whatever, that's okay. And, you know, asking people is totally cool, but, um, don't become so reliant on one thing and don't be afraid to like just have fun, man. Like go make some trades, like make your team better. You know, if you just draft the team and sit that while, well, you know, I just drafted them. So, you know, well, okay, that's fine. But you know, you three years later and you've done one trade. I mean, I, I don't know how you're getting better because all your players are getting older and you're, you're not doing anything to, to change anything. So um, it, it just makes you better. Even when you make those mistakes, I made a lot of horrible trades when I first started dynasty and it's, it's brought me to where I am now. Cause I learned, I learned far more from the, from the bad trades I made than the good ones. That's a, a great point to not being afraid because uh, like uh, our buddy Russ Dynasty Outhouse always says, you know, if, if you make a bad trade, you just make another one to make up for it. So uh, I, I definitely agree with that. And I'm one that tends to deliberate more on trades, which I think annoys people. I might take two or three days to get back to you, but but I'm still making plenty of them. So uh, the one thing I was just thinking of when I when I threw the question out too, uh, that I think a lot of people, especially if you look at the uh, Dynasty Twitter community is uh, – it's just falling to recency bias a little too often, you know. Some guy goes off for, for three touchdowns, and, and then everybody loves him. A.J. Dillon, <laughs> yeah, Claypool. Uh, A.J. Dillon, you know, has a 120-yard game in week 15, and and then everyone assumes Aaron Jones is leaving, and, and A.J. Dillon is, is the bell of the ball <laughs> of the offseason until, until free agency actually starts. So uh, I just think you need to kind of – Take the long view and just don't let that recency bias creep in. Don't pay attention to Twitter when they start pumping a guy up just because he had one huge week. Uh, so that would be what my advice there. So uh, that that's pretty much everything we got this week. So I want to again thank Ryan for coming on. And Ryan, uh, if there's anything you know you want to, I know you got the draft guide coming out. So if you want to pump that up, anything else, uh, just uh, give your Twitter handle and let anybody else know where all the stuff that you do and where they can find you. Yeah, guys. Thanks for having me on. First of all, it was a great conversation. Good to chat with you guys. Uh, yeah. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryan MC 23. Uh, you can find all of my work on dynasty league football, and we've got a ton of great stuff coming, uh, including the dynasty draft guide. The first First thing, uh, first one of these we've ever done like this, and it has been uh, a project, project and a half. It's it's over 130 pages. This is just volume one. We've got two more versions coming out later in the off season. And the best part is you get that free with your DLF subscription. So uh, we're pretty proud of it, pretty happy with how it turned out. So go check that out. Yeah, and I'm a subscriber as well. I haven't had a chance to dive into it, but I'm looking forward to it. But again, thanks for coming on. I'll just finish up with some of our business here, uh, which is uh, just again, I'm at Rocky. I'm Rocky Petrella at Dynasty FF Addict. He's Scott Sidlow at Scott underscore Sidlow. Uh, he will be back next week and, and most weeks going forward, as I said, as a permanent new co-host. 
Uh, I believe Scott's going solo without me next week. I'll be taking the week off, but I think we'll be back together a couple weeks after that. So uh, follow him, follow me, uh, follow the pod at uh, Dynasty Junkies, follow the DAP network at DAP underscore network. And uh, both the network and the pod, please give a rate and review. Uh, It definitely helps us out. Always nice to see what people like about the pod, what they don't like. So uh, we haven't got one in a while. So if you're listening, please just throw a review in there just so I can be happy about it. And uh, that pretty much finishes us up. So it's your new job, Scott. Take us out. Thanks again to the man, the myth, the the legend, Ryan McDowell. Thanks, Rocky. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Excited going forward. We're going to have a good time. Junkies out.